Have you struggled to get everything done? Have you looked for every trick to be more productive? How much do you really understand about how productivity really works? This is Crushing the Clock, a podcast where we explore the nature of productivity so you can actually get back your time and energy, making a difference in both your personal and professional lives. Being a parent has always been a challenging role. There's always a never-ending question of whys and how-to and why. just kind of keeps going over and over. And even more, parents often feel stuck and unproductive managing everything all at once, from work to house and vice versa, trying to get all the school things taken care of. But it's not an issue of why you're feeling less productive, but rather looking into how you're doing things and how you can be able to be more productive. So with the right approach, you can start to get things done more efficiently. All you need are the right tools to help you be able to get started. That's what we're looking at today. Hillary Kinney is a project manager at a Fortune 500 company and a proud mother. Her 17 years of experience are placed in a book to help parents improve their family relationships. And so today, Hillary joins us on the podcast to talk more about the advantages of these frameworks through her book, Project Management for Parents, specifically to engage the family, build teamwork, and succeed together. So let's jump into this conversation that I had with Hillary as she starts to describe this process for us. Well, I decided to write Project Management for Parents during the pandemic. And like a lot of things, a lot changed when COVID hit. So it was May of 2020 when I'm hearing from all these parents about how overwhelmed they are. They're working from home. It's online school at home. All the activities are shut down. Everything's shut down. Everything's happening at home and they're completely overwhelmed. And we're all experiencing the same thing. I had My son was in third grade at the time. His school went remote. I was working for a Fortune 500 company as a project manager. My husband's working. There's just a lot going on. And I thought to myself, you know, I just had this like inkling idea in my head that, you know, this is a lot of what I deal with at work. You know, you have these huge projects that executives want you to roll out. You never have enough people to do the work. You never have enough money and you never have enough time, which is very similar to what the parents were experiencing because they were expected to do, you know, five jobs at once. You know, you're the caregiver, you're the teacher, you're doing your own job. So I started just thinking through different project management aspects that could help people. So I wrote a LinkedIn article about it with, you know, five tips of different things they could do. And I named it project management for parents and it resonated with people. And that turned into a speech at International Project Management Day, which turned into a book deal. And the book came out in February. And it's just been really fascinating because when people, I was at a book fair the other day, and when people see their title, they're like, oh, that makes total sense. Why didn't I think of that? And it's one of those ideas that probably doesn't dawn on you until you're in something like a pandemic, when you realize how these really powerful business principles that businesses have been using for years can completely apply to anything else. And in project management, I work in hospitality, but they use project management across industries and construction and IT, you know, building nuclear reactors. So you can use it for anything. And once you learn the framework, you just repurpose it and reuse it for a different content, right, for a different project. So the beauty of it is once you learn it, you can just reuse it. So it's incredibly valuable, I think, for parents because we're so busy. And I just think it's a really exciting and powerful framework for people to learn and then be able to apply to make life easier at home. Yeah. And one thing I didn't get through the whole book yet, but I did see some mention of like agile there and 
that is typically it like originated in Toyota, I believe is where like the big modern part started, but it's especially used in like software technology type companies, but it's been applied in many other areas as well because it is so versatile. Mm-hmm. So but I know one of the things that's big in that is like having sprint. So you're like, you're looking not just, you have like an overall picture that you're looking at, but you're breaking it down. It's like, okay, what do we need for this next little block of time? And so mm-hmm. is that is that kind of how you're approaching some of this here with this book and these principles? Absolutely. Yeah, so our sprint could be like a family meeting, like a daily family meeting. You know, when you have a lot going on, meet with your family during breakfast and just talk through what's happening that day and how's the schedule? Do we need to tweak anything? Who's doing what? And it brings everyone together. And that's your sprint for that day. Okay, this is what we need to get done today. And then, you know, if you need to, you can recap over dinner. Well, how did that go? You know, during the online school period and for those that homeschool, you could do this every day. Okay, what are we going to do today? And every day you map it out. So that would be your, you know, your planning meeting for the day. So they're absolutely principles. And the beauty of Agile is it's very people-focused. And I think when people hear project management, they worry, they're like, oh, it's all processes and framework and spreadsheets. But I am, in my professional life as well as my personal life, I always say you want to use the minimum amount of process needed just to get more organized and get to get the work done. So, you know, as a family, we're so busy, we don't want to do spreadsheets for the sake of spreadsheets. And I don't, you know, you need to just put processes in place that support your family so that you can get your stuff done that you need to get done and have more fun and quality time together. Because that's what it's all about, is what that time together as a family, that's so important. Yeah, there's a, whatever that 20% of the population that would like to do spreadsheets just for the sake of doing spreadsheets. Right, they're welcome to. If it helps them, great. (laughs) But for the rest of us, you know, we need to streamline and just stay focused. I was gonna say, yeah, because that's the point is like, okay, how can we get this done? How can we get everything into all of these things? There's all these activities, things like that. Even like during pandemic, there was limited outside activities, but there was still a lot going on. Mm -hmm. Okay, how can we accomplish this? And I have a question about prioritization, but it sounds like you were about to say something else too. Well, just that in terms of that communication, that's another beauty of Agile is that the people are involved. And I think that's so important with families and kids is you involve the kids in the process and you talk with them and you get their ideas and you know you talk about the planning and that starts building those planning skills for them, right? Those skills and the executive function skills that are so important. So by involving them in these conversations and these principles, you're actually helping them develop these skills that will serve them later in life too. Yeah. So like I was mentioning, there's all these things that need to get done, but there's things that you can be able to do to try to accomplish more and less time and different things like that. But there's sometimes when it's like you just literally can't be able to fit it all in. So what are some things to be able to help prioritize what can and should get done first. Yeah, absolutely. So I find it really fascinating because at work, I managed through a budget and I managed through a timeline. At home, people, I think, don't really think about it that way. They think of how much can I pack everything in? Like how much can I do? And there's no limit, right? But at work, we're really focused on, okay, well, what's the budget? I can't go over the budget. Or, you know, what's the amount of time we have to get done? I can't, you know, go over that amount of time. And in project management, we call that constraints. And we always manage projects to constraints. Whereas our personal lives, we tend to just manage to, okay, how busy can I be? And how can I max everything out? So what I recommend people do is think about what your limits are, 
and think about your family unit themselves and think of it about as a stop sign. Like what are your limits for your family and why do you not want to blow through that stop sign? So another, you know, we have a certain limit of time and money and resources. So an example would be say for my family, my son and I have a lot of food allergies. So I have to spend a lot of my time in food preparation. So that's a time limit on my family. And also my mother's aging and, you know, I help support her care. So that's a limit on my time. And so there's certain things that every family has that adjust their sort of capability of what they can get done. So I encourage people thinking through what those capabilities are, because, you know, what happens when you think about it, if you think about like a water balloon and you keep filling your water balloon with water, what happens eventually to that water balloon? And that's what happens. Like, (laughs) you know, that could be a troubled relationship with our spouse or with our children. It could be health issues. It could be stress levels. So I encourage people to just be really proactive in thinking about, you know, what you can and cannot do. And then, you know, sit down and talk about it in these different areas and be incredibly realistic about what you can't do and then commit to it and actually put it on a piece of paper. Like we will do this and we won't do that. Like we realize we're overwhelmed. So this is what we're taking out to not do that anymore. Like we're not going to do as many activities. We're not going to volunteer as often. And then the other thing I recommend is what can help you? Like, it's not just taking stuff away, but are there resources? Like, what can you add to help you with things? Like, are there relatives in the area that can help you? Can you add services like hire the neighbor to mow your lawn or, you know, get grocery delivery or something like that to just decrease that workload on you by adding that support system? So there are different ways to manage it, but just be really aware of what your limits are and manage to those instead of unlimited time and resources. Yeah, I think that's a really good point is that when you feel like you have to do everything, then there's that added stress because in your head, you're like, I know I can't get all this done. And so there's all that added stress that actually even slows it down even more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you're not thinking as clearly, right? Right. Yeah. And so that's a really good idea to be able to sit down and as a family, being able to say, okay, we know that we have these constraints. I have these specific constraints in my time and ability you have these constraints in yours and so i mean my constraints as a 41 year old dad is different than the constraints that my 15 year old son has and that my five-year-old daughter has and there's different ones and us being able to get on the same page and realize that first of all we can't compare each other right based on what we are but then also just kind of each of us has a realistic expectation of what the other can and can't do yeah and then being able to have that. So I think that's a really good thing, not just for ourselves, but then also being able to help have that picture of each other so that we can be able to help in the best way possible also. Absolutely. And those change, like for us, my company is returning to the office soon. So that's going to be an added constraint on my time, which is the commute to work. So, you know, different people may have different constraints on their commute. Like my husband, his company's transitioned to fully remote. So my time's going to be more limited in the future. So to your point about talking about it, it's important to have those ongoing conversations too, because it may be, you know, static for a period of time, but then it may change. So then we'll have to have that conversation again and bring the kids, like you said, into the conversation too, and just have that visibility. Because the one thing about project management is it's making the work visible, like, and to your point, to talk about it. And I think with the family, you know, you've probably heard the term invisible work or, you know, the work that's not seen that like one spouse may do or partner and the other one's not aware of. So just having that conversation of, okay, what's everything that's going on around the house and how can we manage it together to what makes sense based on what's going on in our family? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's one thing where it's like you might be able to look at someone's schedule, but that doesn't fill in all the little pieces in between to where it's like, yeah, there's this time 
time here where there's work and then there's lunch and then there's more work maybe but there's the stuff in between where it's like oh yeah i threw in some dishes and i threw in a load of laundry and all these other little things that might be getting done that kind of get lost yeah i think that's a really good thing i know me personally i can struggle with that sometimes because i don't usually like to display everything that i'm doing it's like i just get it done and Mm -hmm. i don't worry about it because it's like i mean i'm not looking for credit i'm not doing it to get props or anything like that i'm just doing it because it needs to get done but then it gets forgotten and then people just kind of expect oh this this just gets done it's like all of a sudden the it's like magic are magically done yeah and all of a sudden it doesn't get done it's like wait what happened what happened yeah and i think that can also be helpful with the idea because there might be things that i'm doing that i'm not even realizing that i'm doing necessarily consciously but kind of going through and being able to do that can help me then realize okay i do have these other constraints because there's all these other invisible things that are going mm-hmm. that i'm doing that i'm not realizing and it's like oh yeah of course no wonder i'm running out of time because i'm focusing on these other things also yeah absolutely and it's almost like the requests that people are making of you like i'll get calls from my mom's care center you know with questions or they'll need supplies and or you know i'll get calls from you know my son's school and you know those things come in and i just handle them but that takes away time from other things that you know i may have needed to get done and i also think it's important i tend to take on too much so and then i get overwhelmed i'm like ah so it's i think it's better for me and my husband if we talk about it before i get to that point he can say okay well what can i help out with Instead of me getting overwhelmed and, you know, getting upset about something like it helps to have that conversation beforehand and map it out to keep things, you know, on a smoother basis. Mm -hmm. And so one thing that I'm thinking of, because I've done a little bit working with Scrum Mm -hmm. and some of that framework. And one of the things that is part of that is that there's like all this work that's done up front. It's like, okay, here are all the tasks that need to get done. And so it's like, if you have this big board or whatever, it's like everything over on the left. These are all the things that can and need to get done. So we went through a process and figured, okay, all these things. And then it's prioritizing into those sprints that we talked about. It's like, okay, Mm -hmm. these are the things that we're going to do during this sprint. And these are the people that are going to do it and things like that, that are responsible and all those different things. So is there anything, any system or anything like that, that would help in a family setting to be able to get the stuff organized to where not just we're just meeting once a day or whatever to talk about what's there, but maybe like capturing all the different things. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you can use a Kanban board at home if you want. Some people use the, it's like a board, it says to do, doing, done. And you can just move sticky notes down the board. Like if your kids have, you know, different assignments like chores or homework. You <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You take those sticky, board, sticky notes <laughs> and you've got like the kids' names on one side on the rows and you've got to do doing done in the columns and you can stick it on a board so you can visually see if they need help. I mean, that's good if there's a lot going on, say for homeschooling families, you know, in one day, if there's a lot you need to work on and it's helpful to have a need help column too. And there are demonstrations of this in my book. I know it's hard to sort of hear this, but you know, there's a chart in my book that shows you how to set this up. So that's a more structured system. So you could do it, you know, on a whiteboard, on a Bolton board, on a chalkboard. There are apps you can use that actually do this for you. So that's a more complex system. Depending on how many kids you have and what you have going on, you could do a weekly chart of, you know, by day, everything that needs to happen. And that's what I do. So I have, you know, Monday through Friday on a piece of paper that I just print out every other week because it varies every other week. And then it leaves me room to add homework assignments and everything else on it. But it's got like his chores on it for the day and different things he needs to do. When my son was very young, I just used a whiteboard. You know, if we have a day off from school where nothing's going on, we just list out what is he going to do that day. 
So you can go from simple to complex. And again, I always recommend keep it as easy as possible. But yeah, depending on what your family needs, you could just write it down on a piece of paper, stick it up. But it's good to write it down and so it's visible in a common place. Ours is on the dining room wall. And for you mm-hmm. and your kid to talk about it and agree to it before you get started. So they're aware and it's good to circle back. And you know, my son forgets. So he goes and looks at his board. It's like, oh, I need to do that. So those are some great documentation techniques to make it visible so everyone can see it and agree to it and be clear on what's expected in advance. Because for kids, it's hard. Like my son says to me, mom, stop telling me to, you know, just tell me to do one thing at a time. It's like too much for him. When I list a bunch of things for him, he's just not, you know, old enough to be able to sort of understand and remember those different tasks. So I have to make it really simple and easy for him in a way that he understands. Mm -hmm. So I think that's also important to keep in mind for the age of your kids. Think about what works well for them and what's their learning style. Are they a real tactile learner? Would they prefer to have a little mason jar of like, what are their chores for the day with a little straw in it with the chore on? And then when they're done, they move it to the completed mason jar. You know, for kids that like that more tactile approach versus a, you know, or if, you know, if they can't read yet, you know, you just have a little picture of say, you know, a toy, and that means they need to pick up their toys, and you just move it over. There are lots of fun ways to sort of engage with the kids in a way that they can see it, understand it, and then there's a clear understanding of what needs to happen. Hmm. I like the idea there of kind of looking at different ways of being able to do that, because we do all have different styles that help us. And I mentioned that that I did a little bit of with uh, Scrum. And with that company, we used an app called ClickUp mm-hmm. for being able to help manage different things. But before we did that, we were using sticky notes and different things. And there was a period that we were doing both. And there were some people that, that were saying, yeah, I love ClickUp. I don't need the sticky notes as just an extra thing that it wasn't helpful for me. Other people are like, hey, I love the sticky notes. I got to keep using that, even right. though we're using ClickUp as well for keeping the team informed. And so I kind of fell in between. And so I started using some sticky notes and other situations too, just kind of just capture ideas. And it used to be organized. It's not so much organized. There's a board behind me that has a bunch of sticky notes on it. I used to have it organized, but mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not so organized anymore. I need to revisit again. Yeah. <laughs> but, and think of a way how to streamline it so it works for you. Some people like calendars. You know, I like I like to see stuff. So I like to have, you know, things up where I can see it. And the other thing is, I think it's important to be visible because oftentimes when it's something we need to, you know, look for, we forget about it, right? So, you know, reminder lists on phones are great, but they're easily forgotten if you don't happen to see the reminder when it pops up. But some people love that and it totally works for them. So again, to your point, know your strengths and your family's weaknesses and use the techniques that work for them. And also based on where your child is and their age and how they can access information and and what makes sense to them. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned earlier that as you, the the prompting for writing this book started during the pandemic. And so, I mean, that's like a massive time of change that, I mean, a lot of changes that happened all at once. It'd be crazy if it was just like one of those things that happened at the same time, but it's like everything was happening at the same time. And so there's a lot of big changes. So how can we be able to manage when big changes happen like that? Whether it's like all together, like it happened in the pandemic, Mm -hmm. or even if it's just one at a time, like a family's moving or changing jobs or 
something similar to that. Yeah, absolutely. This is one of my favorite topics. So there's something called change management. I'm a certified change practitioner, which is the people side of the change. So whenever there is a project, it's something you're going from something existing to something that's new, and that's a change. And you're not only changing you know, systems and processes, but the people need to adopt that change and be ready for it. So there's this whole process that we go through at work to make sure that you're helping people with these changes. So it's an incredibly powerful framework to apply to your family too. And I think it can be a really good aha moment for parents. And one review I saw said that they wish they'd known these techniques before they moved their family because it would have been so much easier. Some of the concepts from that are, and I detail this out more in my book, is the emotional side of change. And the interesting thing about kids in our family is our kids aren't as mature as adults that, you know, I work with at work. So their emotions are going to be a lot stronger and reactions may be much stronger. And, you know, we've got kids that have tantrums and, you know, that's just part of growing up. So the emotional side of the change is probably even bigger in our families. And it's important to recognize that change triggers some emotions and that we can be aware of that and help support them through that. So any change from something existing to something new is like a loss, right? Because you're going from something that you know and you're losing that to something that's new and different that you don't know. So that's a loss and that can bring on some feelings of grief. So they can go through you know, anger and denial, resistance, and eventual adoption of that change. So if you're moving your family, it's a huge change for your kids. You know, depending on how far you're moving, if you're moving down the street, that's a smaller change than if you're moving across the country where they'll have new friends and a new school. So there'll be a bigger response to that bigger change. So it's important to keep that in mind too. And it's also important to know that people have a limited capacity for change. And we saw this during the pandemic, you know, when we're all feeling overwhelmed and we're noticed that we're not thinking as clearly as we used to. And that's a response to too much change at once. Because as human beings, we can only take on so much. So in your family, it's important to think about, okay, what can I do if we have to make this big change? What else can we not change so our kids can have the capacity to do that? And also, you know, as parents, we don't want to take on too much at once because it can just be too much for our kids. Like when my son started kindergarten, I thought it would be a good idea for him to learn a foreign language too because, you know... I read that your kids need to learn a foreign language before they reach a certain age for their brain development. But for my son, it was too much because, you know, he's in kindergarten, you know, his first real school, and then he's in his after school class to learn Spanish, and he was just exhausted. And it was too much for him at the time. So I did not do a good job in that situation of thinking through everything that was going on for him and his developmental level. So that's really helpful to keep in mind. So we can support them through these changes. It helps to know that it's probably those emotions are probably going to come. So keeping those communication lines open and talking to our kids about what's going on and how they're feeling. And then thinking of how we can support them through the process with their emotions and also with actually what's happening and bringing them into the process. Like the helping them to have input so they feel like they have some control over it. Like, okay, well, let's talk through, you know, if we're moving, you know, what input can they have to say like their new room color? Or, you know, do you want to talk, you know, activities that they want to do? Uh, What can we do to help them? You know, do we want to have a going away party with their friends here and then organize some play dates in our new location or get them involved in some activities to support them through that change. So there's a lot that we can do to really help our kids emotionally as well as functionally to successfully navigate that change. So it's a a really powerful principle. And then it's important to keep in mind just, you know, 
Sure, we'll make the change, but even after that change is done, it may require reinforcement and more support, you know, later on. So you may have moved and your child may seem to be okay, but, you know, what if they're still struggling in, you know, a certain area or if this school is more challenging in one subject than that they weren't expecting and what can we do to support them maybe with some, you know, extra homework help or, you know, tutoring or, or just something to help keep supporting them along the way to keep our eyes and ears open to make sure that they can successfully navigate the entire process. I think that's really good because like you mentioned, I don't remember if you mentioned it specifically this way, but the idea that went through my head is the fact that when these changes are happening, feel a loss of control Mm -hmm. and that creates a lot of extra stress. There's also the loss of that you mentioned about like, okay, it's something new. You're, you're not familiar with it. And so that can mm-hmm. always be scary. scary. And so when there's a change like this, it's like those things come together and it kind of amplifies. Exactly. And in a four-year-old's brain, they're just not able to, you know, take on that amount of, you know, level yeah. of change. It's really difficult for them. Then also tying it into what you're talking about earlier about just making things visible. Cause that's another thing. It's like the more you know about what's going to happen helps to minimize the fear and the anxiety that can be able to come with that too. Yeah. And building that, the first step in the process is building that awareness. So bringing your kids in earlier, I always encourage people to bring your kids in as early as possible to the process. I mean, obviously you wouldn't want to bring them in if you haven't made the decision yet. I mean, maybe for teenagers you could, but you know, if you're applying for a new job in a different part of the country, you need to decide what's the right point to bring them in, but bring them in as early as possible and start that conversation. So it's not a surprise because that gives them time to process that range of emotions that they're going through and work through that grieving process because it's much harder to do on a shorter timeline and the longer timeline is easier for them to work through Mm -hmm. that. So building that awareness and then also building that buy-in and that, you know, desire for them to participate in the change, that early participation helps with that, but also talking through being honest with them. Okay, there's some benefits. I'm getting a new job or I'll be making more money. We'll be closer to relatives. Those are all benefits, you know, but being transparent with them that, you know, there'll also be some difficult parts like, you know, you'll be leaving your friends here and, you know, meeting new friends there and we're leaving our house or home to a new home. So just being honest with them, but being sure to reinforce the benefits of what's happening so that they can, you know, keep those in mind and start seeing what's happening in a real way and start thinking through what's coming. Okay, that sounds good. And so we've talked about a lot of different things and and covered like several aspects of this project management for parents idea. So for the person that's listening, what would be a good way for them to just take that first step to be able to get started in this? Mm hmm. Based on what we talked about, I would start thinking through just communication over dinner. What can you weave into those conversations to start, you know, those conversations about what's going on? What can we do better? What are people having on their plate? And just open up those lines of communication and start practicing those skills of planning together as a family. Because that's sort of that foundation and it builds that foundation of teamwork that's so important. And then that's the first part of my book is how you build teamwork as a family. And that's all based on communication. So practicing those communication lines and bringing your kids into those conversations and getting their input is really helpful. Excellent. Where can people get a hold of your book then if they want to delve even deeper into this? Absolutely. It's at any major online retailer, Barnes and Noble, Bookshop. Amazon, etc. And then there are tools and exercises in there and 25 real life examples like moving your family. So it's a great resource to go through and actually apply these concepts to your family. 
Excellent. Well, I appreciate the time and all the insights that you have shared. And so I'm looking forward to going through the rest of the book myself as well. So that's going to be exciting Then I can be able to learn how to force my family, I mean, get my family involved. (laughs) (laughs) They'll think they're they're participating and be enthusiastic about it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, so I definitely got some good ideas so far. I really appreciate that. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Make sure to follow or subscribe to this podcast in your podcast player of choice so you don't miss an episode. If you have any questions or comments, or you want more productivity resources, visit crushingtheclock.com. I would love to hear from you, and I'll catch you on the next episode of Crushing the Clock.